Yeah. This is my first in-person uh, sermon talkback, so uh, we were still maintaining this is a, a far distance. Uh, I hope it's good for everyone. Good. Um, but the, normally the way I start this out is, you know, just to say uh, who you are. Obviously, the people watching are going to know you and then, you know, how they can get in touch with you during this time of distance um, and just something that you've been doing before we get to Luke's sermon on silence. Yeah, I just feel free to call me on my cell number. As you know, I don't do a lot of email, but through Jan. People, yeah. people email Jan. Griffin, Jay Griffin, she's listed on our email list and she passes all those on to me. And that's been really helpful because I've got some good suggestions about our worship and um, I'm doing okay. The, the hardest part for me has been the uh, loss of the incarnational piece mm -hmm. of ministry, the people that have been going through um, very difficult hospitalizations, facing the loss of loved ones, and you're used to being right there beside those people. Yeah. So I, I'm kind of adjusting to that. There's been some positives, uh, more time to read, reflect, um, be with my family. So this, like Patrick and I talk all the time, we're very seldom in the same place at all. <laughs> I know. I, I was thinking this is one of the first times I've seen Rob without the yellow box for Zoom around yeah. his face on on a call for uh, our Tuesday staff meeting. That's really the only way I see you. And then briefly on Sunday morning. <laughs> um, I, we did, I had an earlier meeting and I won't say who this came from in our church. It was a fairly small meeting today. And um, they did comment about my dress and they said that they thought that I might fit in real well with the people um, that are maybe waiting for, in a, you know, a food line today, you're very hungry. They, they thought I would fit in very well with uh, some of our folks that are having a hard time. Yeah, see, I, I actually didn't wear a hat today. I washed my hair uh, and try, I tried my best to keep it under control. We're, we're at thir 30 more minutes. It's probably going to be crazy because my wife made the same comment to me like, hey, maybe if you're going up to church and you're going to be on camera, you got to get fully. So this, uh, this is my Wednesday dress. Now, if you see me on Sunday, I'll, I'll, I'll dress it up. I'll, <laughs> I will look like your preacher on Sunday morning. Well, before we get started, I, I first want to say um, one of the greatest joys um, since moving to Asheville has been uh, becoming your friend and, and, and um, you being just a, just a great mentor and friend to me and, and Hannah. Hannah was more jealous, I think, that I, I was going to get to come and see you face to face and she wasn't. Um, and so, and just your leadership during this time has really, uh, I know, made me feel uh, safe is an interesting word, but also secure. Um, you have a very calming presence during a tumultuous time. I know I speak for our congregation when I say that, but also just personally, I want to say thank you for that. Uh, and that means a lot. Um, and I also want to say to you guys, the congregation, we get all of your handwritten notes as well. Yeah. And Rob does a really good job sharing those with us. And so does Leslie. And that's been something that's, yeah, right in my day. That encouragement has really kept us. Going. Yeah, it really has. Well, this week, uh, Luke preached, and it was a really great sermon. Um, I had the Sunday off, but I still watched online and then rewatched. And uh, it's been a new joy for me to go back and, and um, watch things again and, and see uh, where we're moving and how we're kind of responding to the world, and um, also able to to still express the ways that the Holy Spirit is moving and, and how we're experiencing it. And, and Luke kind of brought that to us with his talk about. Um, silence. And he made this really profound statement kind of early on in his sermon that I wanted you to kind of elaborate on. And he said, um, without silence, it is difficult to hear the longing of our hearts. I thought that was 
really profound. Without silence, it's difficult to hear the longing of our hearts. And I just wondered what you thought about that. Absolutely. I think that silence is that place that creates, I'm going to call it the monastery in our own mind or soul, that uh, helps our spirit catch up with us. We are people, we're like that proverbial rock skipping across the water. And when you slow down, you get still and you get silence. I think then, the, you know, he, he used that phrase in the song, deep calls into yeah. deep. That's when sometimes you can get out of the shallow pool into the deeper pool. I love the image he showed of the Holy Land. Yeah. I, I've actually been to that place too. Have you? Yeah, and we often think of um, the lower part of Judah, the you know, Dead Sea and the Arid, but up there, in northern Galilee, particularly around Caesarea, there are these mountain streams that look exactly like our streams and that waterfall. And that, that was, but no, I, I agree with that. I also like right in that first part, he made a really good point about uh, silence can be threatening. Yeah. And, you know, oftentimes we have felt that as ministers when you have the silent pause in the <laughs> prayer and you're, you're saying to yourself, how long can I get by with this? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then I thought about my own life. I have to admit, there's been a lot of times when I've walked into a house by myself and, and the first thing I do is I flip something on, mm -hmm. piece of music, the TV. Yeah. Why is that? You know, yeah. so I think there is this, um, we're, we're driving in a car and he was talking about using that as time, as time, but what's the thing we often do? Radio. Radio. I know that you and I both like sports talk or things yeah. like that. I like to hear, you know, what, what the, are the leagues going to come back or instead of just taking that time yeah. to pause and reflect. But back to the question you asked. Yes. I think if we can't, don't have those places, we're not going to hear that deeper voice. And I think it is scary sometimes because the first voice you hear, you just sound may not be real friendly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it may feel like emptiness. It may feel like boredom even, or like, there's something lacking, but what I say to people when they say, oh, I get silent, it just feels, and I say, well, you know what? Sometimes those things that we hear in silence at first, it's the sound God's voice makes when we're living as there is no God. Right. So sometimes I found if I listen to my emptiness, which I'm not sure I want to listen to, exactly. my boredom, that's the first sign. What that really is, is a deeper longing. Hmm but I have to get past that emptiness. Oh, what is this really about? Yeah. Oh, it's a good thing. It's my deep calling. <laughs> yeah. Deep. Yeah. yeah, no, that I can completely agree that there's that scary feeling that when everything stops, I might not like what's on the other end of the line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, that leads me into what my second question was, is Luke went on to talk about, you know, different places where silence was found. And he talks about uh, a trip to Iona and Larry, urging one of the pilgrims to, you know, you're running everywhere, maybe take some silence. And I really found myself saying, you know, this has been a good time, this kind of quarantine time to, uh, in some ways I had to really face my own silence because I couldn't keep myself as busy as I wanted to with little tasks. But he makes the point that uh, in the scripture, we see Jesus finding space for silence. And uh, I wondered what kind of what you were saying, like, what did Jesus experience when he was silent? And, and why did he constantly model that for us by going off to pray alone or trying to find ways to, to pull away just even for a, a pause? And um, do we often miss the silences of Jesus 
because we're looking so much for those red letters, you know, the, the words of Jesus. You know, I've done like, I remember one time writing a piece or kind of an essay on the, what Jesus taught us about prayer. And interesting, when it comes to teaching about prayer, he gave us the Lord's Prayer. He has a couple of parables about keep throwing a pebble at the window. You know, don't stop. Be be importunate. Um, Keep bothering God. God will bother you back. But there was very little quote teaching except through how he lived. Mm -hmm. And I I know Luke picked up on that because what if you if you go to the New Testament, go to the Gospels. This is there's several phrases you'll hear again and again. He went aside. He went apart. He went to the other side. He crossed to the other side of the lake. You know, I would almost call it like, if you really studied carefully in the Gospels, a pendulum principle Mm -hmm. from, um, you know, from action to inaction, back back and forth from, um, you know, heavy engagement to contemplation. It's like this pendulum that swung back and Mm -hmm. forth. And a couple of times the disciples even got irritated. Yeah. Where are you been? <laughs> yeah. We've been looking for you all morning. And, you know, he was, he, he'd gone aside. So, yes, I think that was definitely, because we always think of his passionate engagement and involvement. And I think we miss out on that, those periods where he was willing to um, just be silent, be aside, be in prayer. Yeah. Well, that then that brings me to, the, the last uh, quote I really wanted us to, to touch on, which is that uh, Luke talks about Thomas Merton, um, the great Thomas Merton, the writer, and um, kind of neo beginning of the, these monastic movements. And he, he said, a distraction during prayer um, is an opportunity to turn back. And I also had a, a it brought to mind a quote from uh, St. Augustine who said, you know, when he kneels down to pray, even the straw beneath his knees cry out to distract him. Um, and I, I love that because I'm someone that is, is very much uh, easily distracted. But what does it mean then that this is an opportunity to turn back? And do we find those opportunities in silence? Or do you, is it ever hard for you to, to stay focused on a prayer? Um, Absolutely. I, I had this beautiful modeling of prayer life that I was not able to live up to. And that was this nightly image that I often saw when I would go into my parents' bedroom mm-hmm. and my father literally would get on his knees every night. And I, tr- I had the bony knees, <laughs> you know, I would try that. I was so involved and in, in how uncomfortable I felt, but, but maybe what I needed to do was listen to a little more what mm-hmm. Lucas was saying in that, 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 that sense of daydreaming or wandering, Instead of feeling guilty about it, we just say, okay, God's calling me back. And a great word in our in how we live off our, our faith is returning. Mm-hmm. Metamorph, turn 180 degrees. I'm a little distracted. I'm too into what I'm going to be doing next or thinking about am I doing it the right way and just stop that and say, reset, <laughs> start over, let that let that call me back. And I think that's good. I think a lot of us have too much guilt around our prayer life. Yeah. And I think, I know some people I've, I've, when I've thought about and talked to people about prayer, they just say, you know, I'm not innately a very <laughs> contemplative person. Yeah. 
And I think some of us are wound differently. And I, I like when Luke got into the practical part yeah. of his sermon. I, I thought it was very didactic at the end. Yeah. He said, okay, I've been talking about this, this longing, this silence. Now, here are some ways people, I like, he was very real. He said, you don't have to start off with 30 minutes. Yeah. You know, do, do something that could work for you and find a place where it could work. I like that. Like we yeah. all find our own altar. Exactly. It could be a backyard swing. You know, and, and I was going to say, we've, I know you and I have talked about this. We've enjoyed seeing everyone's altar that they make yeah. for uh, Sundays that we have communion and finding that for your, yourself, whether or not it looks just like an altar or like a swing. I, I wanted to tell you this is, uh, you know, I love to hike and I know that you do as well. And there's some days where I'm hiking and I just have my head down the whole time and I'm just, getting frustrated because I can't, I'm trying to connect with God. I'm trying to be silent. And I remember, you know, the, the Psalm of sense, you know, I lift my eyes to the hills and where, where does my help come from? And I'm like, Oh, if I would just look up from this trudging up <laughs> yeah. to the, the beauty around me, I might, yeah. you know, that would be my altar to, to see that. So yeah, I was going to, I was actually going to tack that onto the end about breath prayer yes. and that Luke is saying, you don't have to be perfect at it. And I find a lot of comfort in that. Right. Um, I think for me, a lot of times having a centering kind of scripture, I know several years during Lent, um, I would take, and he, he chose one that he gave us an example was Romans 8, which mm-hmm. is one of my favorites. You know, nothing can separate us from yeah. the love of Christ. So having this repeatable core yeah. praise that just is almost like, that helps get it going. That's a starting place and being able to say that over and over again. So it's not so much you're trying to make sense out of it. It starts making sense out of you. I love that. And it's, it speaks back to you. But I, I really liked at the end, I think he gave us some ways and means where nobody has to feel like the kind of life that he was talking about in Life of Silence is just for the monastic view. Yeah. I, I thought I thought he gave us all ports of entry into that. I think so too. I think so too. Well, Rob, I don't have any other questions. All right. But, oh, hey, I'll, I'll throw one back. Of those altars that you saw, did you have one that just kind of jumped out? I love. There's a, all the ones that were outside. Uh, those really make me so happy because I think about in the Old Testament. You know, when a a big moment in a, in a life for someone like Moses, or they would take that time and immediately build an altar there. And so seeing the ones on people's porch or uh, out in the yard, um, to me, it, they, they admit that someone walked out there, that they they were outside, they were, you know, being creative, like, what is this that I could put here? And so I saw one or two outdoors that I really connected with because it, to me, drew a through line back to, you know, this is a, a, a point in time, this is a big moment for our church, but this is a big moment for people everywhere that we're still connected, that we're still faithful during this. And so it was like a marker for that. Um, and then another one, my mom and dad did one on our confirmation Sunday or what would have been. And they used the cross that I had made in confirmation on there that was, on that altar. Yeah. So I didn't know that, that was, it was, that was the cross I had painted when I was in uh, sixth grade and did confirmation. Oh, and my mom had found it somewhere in my room. Wow, what did that do when you saw that? Oh, it was pretty cool. Mostly it was embarrassing because that cross is, it, it's uh, <laughs> You know, a little interpretive, if you will, because I hand painted it. It's a little rough, but it was cool to, for the uh, to see them participating along with us. Um, 
and that really uh it was i didn't even know they still had that wow. and so that was uh made me happy and it really made me um long for that when our confirmands will be here so that we can you know um finish their their journey and i think i saw this correctly you know we were sitting there looking at these from a distance there but i'm pretty sure i saw one toward the end that the ultra cloth it was an outdoor one and was in the wind in the wind you could see yeah. it. i thought this is like the breath of God coming. I thought that was, that one really moved me. Oh, I love it. And I've been, for the next one, I've been working on one out uh, we on our little hillside up there. So I'm hoping to have a good one before the, the, the next time, walking back and forth every time I take my dog, clearing out another space around it and then coming back. So, you know, I think there's something to be said about finding an altar, a place. I have think we all have like, you know, I used to have this chair that I would sit in, you know, outside. And when I would sit, go to that chair, I would think of a cup of coffee. Mm. That was, that always spoke of that. I'm looking yeah. forward to that. So if you could have a place that just being there, you anticipate mm. again, what's happened there like prayer. So it becomes kind of your own sacred space. I think that's I something that. you said tonight. I think so too. Yeah, I've enjoyed this. Me too. This is great. <laughs> well, I hope to see you guys again next week. Rob, I'll see you on Sunday.